Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Vertical Podcast. Glad you could join me today. And uh, we've got a familiar guest for you, Bobby Marks, the uh, front office insider over at ESPN. He joins me, and we go through all the news of the NBA this week. We talk about the Jaleel Okafor deal to Brooklyn, what that means, the end of Cleveland's winning streak, and, of course, Houston, how they're playing, how the Rockets are playing top five defense right now. It's remarkable. I do all that and more with Bobby Marks. So stick around. That's next here on the Vertical Podcast. This is the Vertical Podcast. Hosted by Chris Mannix. From interviews. Let's bring in John Wall. He's Reggie Miller. Bring in our expulsion. To the latest NBA news. To insights you won't get anywhere else. Rioting is bad. You shouldn't riot. Past episodes of the podcast can be downloaded in the iTunes Store and Google Play. Why wouldn't you go back? Subscribe and leave a rating or comment. Here he is. Speaking of guys putting their foot in the mouth. Chris Mannix. Yes. Joining me on the podcast this week, a former friend of the pod becoming once again we're, we're reconnecting for the occasional pod it's bobby marks the uh, former assistant gm with the brooklyn nets espn front office insider it still pains me bobby to say <laughs> espn front office insider the vertical has has already faded into oblivion and as have our respective titles <laughs> Hello, Chris. How are you? <laughs> Hello. Hello there. I miss those videos, man. That's what I miss. Wait, oh, the yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm trying to... I'm trying to work Scal into uh, into a contentious relationship with me. Like that... I'm trying to uh, to build that up. We're getting there. We're making uh, some a little bit of progress there. Yeah. Oh, uh, we need the Celtics not to play well. Maybe we'll get ah, a little edgy, right? No, I, I, I but I don't think that's going to happen. They win again on oh, Sunday. They almost beat San Antonio on, and not to get too deep in the weeds with the Celtics, but like you know that was a perfect play call at the end of the Spurs game, and Kyrie Irving probably makes that eight times out of ten. I mean, it was... yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, it's and here's social media. I I comment uh, Sunday night after Indiana wins that game. They come back again. Denver about Nate McMillan. You know, hard to take three starter, uh, three new players. You know, with Collison, Old Depot, Bogdanovic integrating mm-hmm. the lineup. What a job he's done. And then I got a Celtic fan say, "Well, yeah, you haven't mentioned anything about Brad Stevens all year." I'm like, "Holy cow! Have you like have you not like followed me?" <laughs> you know, like there's some gracious. there is there is some since you bring it up there have been some really good coaching jobs this oh, year i mean great I, I think that jobs. i do think brad probably is in the pole position right now it, as long as boston keeps this and maybe not this pace but you know plays one two seed type of basketball i'm uh, just given the, the the hayward injury um but you mentioned nate mcmillan i mean they're in the playoff mix i think quinn snyder's been unbelievable in, in sure Utah. has yeah i mean uh, that, kenny that, i mean kenny atkinson i mean i yeah. know they're out right now but if somehow they made a run and got into like eight seven or eight maybe 
Uh, you could certainly uh, talk. I mean, what Houston's doing. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, they're it's, it's just wild. running things off. There's a lot of good, um, a lot of good jobs so far by these uh, coaches. Hard. It's so hard to. And we'll get into more, but it's so hard to take new faces and just try to turn it into something right off the bat with a short, especially with a shortened preseason. Yeah. The reason Utah impresses me maybe more than anyone outside of Boston is because when Gobert went down, they basically reinvented themselves. Like they became an offensive team. Like they couldn't score on anybody when Gobert was in the lineup. He goes down, favors slides over to five. Donovan Mitchell becomes a scorer and and they won six straight and, and they're right there in the mix. Now that Gobert's back in that was that was really impressive because when I was out there, th- there was kind of a sense that they would sink in the standings with Gobert uh, being out to the point where maybe you start considering kind of going all in on a full rebuild. But you know what what they've done over the last you know you know three four weeks has been remarkable. Well, you're right. I mean, I think they were what eight and eleven or seven eleven when 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 that happened, and they're right over. You know, I think right at five hundred right now, and you know, I think. Their play, um, recent play, and then I think what Oklahoma City has been keeping everybody afloat <laughs> in the West and the back end there to keep your – I think you got, what, nine teams probably for eight spots right now out West. Yeah, yeah, no no question. All right, let's jump into um, you know one of the teams you mentioned, and that's Brooklyn. They make a deal uh, for Jaleel Okafor, giving up Trevor Booker. They get Stauskas back. They get a, uh, a second-round pick in 2019 – back in the deal. Now, I guess I should ask you first, Bobby, when you made that trade involving Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, <laughs> did you know in 2018 it was going to be a, oh. a uh, playoff pick? Uh, you know how many people I've blocked on Twitter lately? Oh, my God. <laughs> my wife's like, stop reading notifications. I'm like, oh, you know. But it's funny. I mean, talking about that, um, talking about the Okafor trade, here's a funny yeah. story for you, is that I'm coaching JV basketball on Thursday, right? We're in the mm-hmm. second quarter. I think we're down like 21-4. And then all of a sudden, my watch, my phone, it's like the fire like the fire alarm starts going off. The Okafor trade's going on. And I'm like, what do I do? Do I keep on coaching these kids? Do I go find a <laughs> Wi-Fi somewhere? And um, I had like this look of disgust on my face. My wife was trying to figure out, like, what's wrong? I'm like, there's a trade going on. I, I need to go get Wi-Fi somewhere. But um, I, I liked it for both sides. So you like um, the trade. Yeah, that was one of my questions. I do. Like I do. I, I like the trade. Um uh, I look at it from Brooklyn's side. I think the second round pick's probably more valuable than Okafor. Um, where he's going to be, how he's going to fit, um, especially on the Nets play. They, they like to go up and down, you know, s- certainly spread the floor, shoot a lot of th- threes. You know, how does he integrate more of a half court player there? Um, you know, how does that, how does he integrate there? I think him and Stauskas are almost on five month kind of a tryout period. Um, but we, we forget Okafor is only 21. He turns, um, I think he turns 22 next week. So, and he's the, you know, with the third pick in the draft from three years ago, who averaged 18 points a game his rookie year. So, um, it's worth, it's certainly worth the flyer and you, and you get a second round pick, a 2019 Knicks pick that who knows where it could be. Could be in the thirties, could be in the forties. But I think that's a, that's an asset you can use if you want to move, um, down the road, and and they weren't going to sign Trevor Booker at the end of the season, although he was having a career year. I mean, that's uh, that's what Brooklyn's been doing lately. They, it's like they're like flipping houses. They take mm-hmm. these like journeymen, they refurbish them, make them all shiny and nice, and then they flip them for an asset. I think that I think that that could happen with Joe Harris, who's having a career year too. I think that's a name we can we can certainly focus on. But uh, and I'm a big Booker fan. I like what he's done. He's already played pretty well in, in Philadelphia with them beat out. Um, kind of that journeyman kind of. Can give you a double double if if you if you if you want if he if you can um, you know on an expiring contract so they get early bird rights on him so I liked it from both sides. Yeah, I mean I like it from Philadelphia's side because they got something for Okafor and Booker is going to be able to slide somewhere into that rotation and at this point you know given what they were asking for a first round pick for the last year or so um, the, the, getting something is better than nothing than just having to cut this guy loose eat his salary and and get nothing back in return it, it was funny Bobby when I when I tweeted out that I liked the deal I got so many responses of people saying that Okafor is a bust that he's just uh <laughs> I mean he is as you said he's 21 years old his rookie year he averaged almost 18 points per game he averaged double figures last year as a non as like a, a, a guy that was in and out of the rotation uh for Philadelphia I, I don't know that he can I don't know that he can survive and be a star in today's NBA where every five who's worth his salt is basically shooting a three. Uh, but at 21 years old, there still is upside there. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, Kenny Atkinson's got a great rep as a developmental coach. 
I think you put him in that system and you give him 30 minutes a night, I think he's going to put up numbers. I really do. No, I agree. And I think you're going to start seeing the cycle of big men start to come back a little bit here. I, I think I know we've we've gone to the small ball era and, and fives are kind of become extinct a little bit. But with Embiid and Drummond, um, you know, some of the some of the names there, um, DeAndre Jordan, guys like that, especially if you can stay on the court at the end of the games in this draft coming up in June has a tendency to be uh, heavily uh, big, you know, with bigs. It's it's not a point guard draft like last year, but it's a lot of bigs up up front. So. I, I still think there's a role for um, for Okafor, and it, and the other thing that was funny that um, from Philly fans is like they're they were like appalled that they had to give up a second round pick with him, and I feel like saying <laughs> they've got like, like 150. You, you of got them. four this this June. I mean, and you got like three guys um, that you drafted last June that are kind of either back overseas that you can bring over. I mean, how many picks do you want? And and it's not like you just got you give up Stauskas and Okafor, and you had to give up. A pick and you got nothing back. I mean, you got a you got actually got a, a pretty good player back. So, um, you know, it, but it's it's a, another guy that um, uh, Brian Clangel did not draft. Uh, Nerlens Noel last year. Um, Okafor now. Stauskas uh, Sam made that trade to get Stauskas in that that Sacramento pick, and it's, it's almost like they're almost like cleansing the, the roster of uh, you know former players here. It is remarkable that in, in just a, a little over a year. Less than a year, really. Um, Sean Marks has, has managed to pick up the two of the top three players picked in the 2015 draft. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a great draft by any stretch. Uh, but you know, getting D'Angelo Russell for basically nothing, just having to take on uh, the contract of Mozgov. I know a lot of people like to point out that Kuzma was part of the deal, but I mean that was just basically protection for the Lakers because they were going to draft Kuzma uh, anyway. But um, you know, I, I think he's he's done some really nice things there. I mean, two guys that are in their very early 20s that have nothing but upside. I mean, I loved what I saw out of Russell before he got hurt in mid-November. I thought he was playing good basketball, 20-plus points per game, and and making you start to making me start to wonder a little bit about who might have the higher upside, uh, Russell or Lonzo Ball, uh, the guy that the Lakers passed on. So I think the Nets, you know, they've done some nice things, and they're two and a half games out, Bobby, as we speak, for that final playoff spot in the East. I don't know that they get there, but I think there's a real chance they're fighting for it into, like, uh, you know, February and March. You're right, and I and I talked to the the guys in Brooklyn, and one of the things I told them was that the one a minor goal for them should be to get out of that 13 to 15 range on the bottom, and and be in that you know that 10 to 12 range, compete for you know kind of get out of the the cellar there, and they're and they're 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 right there, and I think what you see in Brooklyn is is that kind of ownership has really given Sean free reign, which is which is great. There's no pressure to make the playoffs, and I think if if Sean was on the last year of his contract and his feet were to fire and and ownership gave him a mandate to uh, make the playoffs. Um, you probably wouldn't have seen a Booker trade because they probably would have held on, try to fight to get into the playoffs. But now uh, there is no pressure there that, you know, you're going to, you saw it with Booker. You probably might see it with, uh, with Joe Harris. You know, they were able, they, you know, they waved Sean Kilpatrick who gave you 13 points last year, but hadn't, hadn't find a role here. And, um, so yeah, that's the that's the comfort level when you have you know certainly when you have some job security. Yeah, yeah, and that's I mean, I mean think about it. I mean what what Boston gave up in that Kyrie Irving trip that winds up being like a the tenth pick in the draft. I mean that just makes it even better deal for the Celtics. Yeah, and I and I'm writing about I'm gonna give myself a plug right now. Hey, all right, writing, hey, hey, writing some stuff about some teams, all thirty teams as far as what to watch, and I still think that that Nets pick does have value mm -hmm. um, I, for Cleveland. I still would not uh, entertain moving it unless I get a, a commitment from LeBron because I think if this was like the NFL or MLB where you pick based on record. I can think maybe you can you know maybe um, entertain offers, but the lottery scares me. Where if that pick goes in and, and it, let's say it's eight, the, the chance of jumping to you know in, in the top three possibly that that scares the heck out of me, especially with a with a pretty good uh, pretty good draft right now. Yeah, I mean guys like Marvin Bagley, you know even Michael Porter is going to be in that mix. A lot of guys. Yeah, uh, you're right that they, that could be franchise players that you don't want to wind up. Uh, missing on. All right, from the uh, Nets over to Houston and, and the Rockets. And as we speak, Bobby, they've won nine straight games. And they're, uh, I mean, offensively, they're great as usual. That's not surprising. It's defensively where they have turned a corner. They are the fifth-ranked defensive team in terms of defensive efficiency. And Mike D'Antoni has told me many times, I'm sure he's told others the exact same thing, If, we, if he said if we, the Rockets, can be inside the top 15 uh, defensively, we can be a contender. If we're inside the top 10, we can be a true championship contender. Right now, they sit there at number five. I mean, 
How do you explain what, what Houston's been able to do defensively? Well, I think a lot of it goes back to what Daryl did in the offseason. Uh, you know, under the radar signings didn't go, um, you know, home run hitting. I know he got Chris Paul at the, at, in June more of it in a trade, but he had limited resources when he got, when July 1 started. He targeted PJ Tucker right off the bat. I mean, that was the first, uh, the signing used his, you know, the, 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 basically the full mid level to, to get him. Um, kind of waited in the weeds until mid-July to get Luke Bamute for the minimum. <laughs> I mean, mm. um, those are the signings. Nene, uh, Tariq Black, guys like that um, that can fill out your your depth. And you saw in the Portland game on um, on Saturday that you know, they got into a shootout. Um, you know, it was the first time they'd given up. I don't know the last time they gave up 100 and, um, 100, I think it was the Toronto game that they gave up 129 points back in mid-November, but they gave up 117. Yeah. So they, it almost showed like week. All right, if we want to get in a shootout, we can do that. But we've kind of our bread and butter has been def- defensively, and they went with that really small lineup, you know, to close close the game. I think, but they put Tucker at the five, um, and they went with like a six-seven uh, lineup. Um, that that got him back in the game and was able to win their game. So they have got a lot of interchangeable parts. I mean, Chris Paul coming back. I mean, that was a big question mark. How does he integrate with Harden? Harden usually has the ball in his hands, but he he has fit in certainly seamlessly. Yeah, he's been great both ends of the floor, and the Rockets have been great on the road too. Like that's the biggest surprise. I mean, you you win at home, and and that's great. Like you look at the teams, at the top in in um in either conference. San Antonio was great at home. Boston is great at home. The Rockets. I think they're like 12 and 1 on the road this season. Now, do, do you think this defense, like all the things you mentioned are right, like the 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 signings they got, the Mbamutes and and Chris and and even like the guys are still there. Trevor Reese a good defensive player. What's sustainable for Houston? Like what what kind of defensive play is are can they be able to bank on when they get to the playoffs? Well, I think it's sustainable because during the regular season, at least because of how the schedule is and how games are spaced out. Um, I mean, you look at their schedule, they've got seven games in the next uh, up until Christmas uh, all at home. And there's only one. Um, I think there's only one back to back there. So you have some there is some rest. And my concern with the, their team there from a defensive standpoint is how fresh they will be when the playoffs start. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw that in the series against um, San Antonio last year where they looked like they ran out of gas. So my, my concern would be the minutes for for this group, especially with Harden. Uh, there's a tendency for him to be in game on the court at, in, at the end of these games when there's a blowout. Um, so when can you find, you know, when can you, you know, kind of lower his minutes a little bit, although he's, you know, probably right around where they were last year. So I, I certainly think it's, uh, it's sustainable, uh, during the season, as you know, when you get into playoffs, it's more of a half court, um, style of play. So, and that would fit, um, Houston, you know, certainly it's just a matter of, do you go back to those tendencies from last year where you try to go up and down, which, is great for the regular season, but when you get to the playoffs, it's uh, you know it's hard to get to the you know you can get by a round, but it's hard to get when you get into that into that Western Conference semis when it's like you know it's a gauntlet there. I mean you got oh, San Antonio and Golden yeah. State and uh, you know who knows where Oklahoma City you know teams like that. Well, the upside for Houston too in terms of getting hard and rest is that they've like the games that I've seen and, and the numbers back that up too that they've been they haven't just been winning they've been blowing teams out. I mean they've won by double digits I think in fifteen games. Uh, this season, and since Chris came back in the lineup, their margin of of victory is 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 huge. Like they're just they're winning by a lot. So this is this could be a, a real prime opportunity to get Harden that rest that you're talking about. Because I agree, he was gassed when he got to the second round. One of the biggest upsides to getting Chris Paul, besides it being you know Chris Paul, is you know the the pressure he would take off Harden and save him, so that when he had to go up against a top flight defense like a San Antonio, which basically built a wall in front of him. Uh, in that, uh, I remember Game Six of that conference semifinals. That was that, that was that was a tough defensive uh, uh, game plan for San Antonio. He won't be quite as as gassed there, and I think there's there's a real possibility because of how much they're winning by to to get him that time. Well, you're right, and I, I uh, after the Portland game on on Saturday, you know, Coach D'Antoni said this is the first time we've been tested in the fourth quarter. Yeah, <laughs> like man, that is a nice luxury. Uh, all but you know, a little bit of you know, I mean, a, a little bit of concern because you have been blowing teams out, but uh, I mean, to be to say that in uh, you know, 24 games in, and you know, say hey, we needed this type of test. That is a, that's a nice. I think you would, all 30 teams would sign up for, certainly for that. Yeah, I was looking at the numbers here. Chris Paul, the last nine games as we speak on Monday, 
Uh, Rockets outscoring opponents by an average of 18.8 points. Like, that's huge. <laughs> that's just, that's dropping the hammer uh, uh, every time out. So Houston, they, I don't think we're quite there yet about saying, are they a true threat to Golden State? But I think we're we're getting there, Bobby. We're, we're inching closer to that that point. No, we are. I think uh, Golden State. My my concern for them was always, you know, getting to the finish line healthy in one piece. The 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 Curry injury. Um, you know, I didn't think it would hamper them um, significantly, just based on how much firepower they have. And Durant stepped up his game. You know, certainly, and you go on the road and you kind of make a clean sweep there. So that was my always uh, my that was my big concern with with this Warrior team as far as what and what shape they are when you get into 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 you know April and May. We'll get back to Bobby Marks in just a minute, but I have to tell my listeners about a great deal from the folks over at The Art of Shaving. The holidays are coming up, and we all know what that means. Parties, presents, and ugly sweaters. The Art of Shaving can't help with the ugly sweaters, but they can help you impress everyone on your holiday gift list. This year, take gifting to the nines with the 12 shaving creams and more of Christmas, all formulated with essential oils and botanical ingredients. They've got something for everybody. You got a secret sand over at the office. You got spicy and citrusy to warm and woodsy. The art of shaving, sophisticated fragrances are well suited for anyone at the office. For bearded buddies, for all your bearded brethren, the art of shaving has stubble balm, beard oil, beard balm, and styling waxes because friends don't let friends' beards get out of control. For your favorite uncle, head to one of the art of shaving's barber spas for a royal shave and day of bonding. For your little brother, Introduce him to manhood by upgrading his shaving routine with a fully stocked shaving kit, which includes everything he'll need to shave like his favorite older bro. And for yourself, get ready for the holiday party circuit from head to mistletoe by picking up a shaving kit for you. Get a head start in the holidays now. My listeners get 15% off your first order and free shipping when you use the promo code MANIX. To get this offer, visit theartofshaving.com. Use my special promo code MANIX to get 15% off your first order and free shipping. Or find a retail location near you for a consultation from the Art of Shaving's own master barbers. All right, so back in the Eastern Conference, Cleveland, their winning streak ended uh, in Indiana over the weekend. Uh, you know, still impressive. What was it? Thirteen games um, that they won consecutively, but the schedule. And I've said this on previous podcasts. The schedule that the Cavaliers played during that time, it wasn't great. When you look for kind of the true contenders on that list, you saw, yeah, Miami was there. That was a quality win. Detroit at that time certainly uh, a quality win. But other than that, and I was waiting until we got to the end of this month, because I think they have three straight against Utah, Milwaukee, and then Christmas Day against Golden State. Those three games were what was going to really tell me kind of where um, you know, where they were as a team. But when, when you watched Cleveland during that streak, what did you learn from? What did you take away from, from that Cavaliers 13 straight? Well, sometimes less is better. <laughs> and I thought when the season started and they had hit that rut that there was too many options for Ty Lue to choose from. Um, it was a deep team, um, which sometimes is good and sometimes has its faults. Um, and then you have Thompson go down, Rose out, Shumpert out. Then you kind of have to shrink your ro- your rotation a little bit and, you know, you kind of condense minutes and then you're asking more from Wade, from more from Corver. Um, you know, certainly J.R. Smith has shot the ball better. So I think that... You know they'll need those guys, um, especially Thompson down you know down the road here, and I think he's going to be you know he's back soon. Um, but I think that that actually helped them those those injuries. Although you don't want guys missing time, is that it, it forced you know Ty Lue to kind of go to different options instead of you know what we're going to go with twelve guys tonight, and you know you know Channing Fry is going to play thirteen minutes, and Wade's going to play eighteen, and you know the minutes are going to be spread around, and let's experiment with that. And now you you were kind of forced us to go with nine players, and I think that I think that was the biggest takeaway from that you know that from that streak there. Do you have any concerns with the fact that LeBron is you know forget the number of minutes, but the fact that he's got to be out there late in games like he did against Memphis, like he was against Sacramento, basically being the closer, having to win these games. We we mentioned Houston and, and the, all the blowouts they had. During that streak, there weren't a lot of blowouts for Cleveland. There were a lot of times against lesser teams that LeBron had to strap the Cavs on his back and win it for him at the end. Is that a concern that he's having to do that in November and early December? Uh, I mean, but there's never been a chink in the armor there. That's my only, th- you know, we, I haven't seen him... 
um, you know, from a health standpoint or the the wear and uh, the wear and tear. I mean, yeah, I mean, you mentioned that Memphis game the other, I think it was last week, where they they win by five, and he had to do a lot of the, you know, the, the heavy lifting. Um, but where you look at his minutes, his minutes are a little bit lower than they were last year. I mean, last year he's at thirty-seven eight, and this year he's at thirty-seven uh, three. So it's it's kind of been in that that same um, that same time frame. It'll be interesting when Isaiah comes back, as far as. Um, it, does he take some of that, um, you know, heavy lifting away from LeBron and how those two integrate? Because you've got another closer on the court, um, and how, you know, how do those two guys kind of kind of fit there? It's almost like with uh, a little bit different in Oklahoma City when you have too many guys, maybe with uh, Paul and uh, Westbrook, Carmelo guys at the end of the game where um, you get you kind of get away from from a little bit. But I think Isaiah coming back will certainly certainly help. I think they'll be able to experiment with a little bit of, of some things. They've given himself a nice cushion with that streak. Um, you know, what are you three games behind Boston? We've seen that home court really doesn't matter when you get to the playoffs. But there's certainly there's certainly some distance between them and Washington. And you know, Toronto certainly has played well. Milwaukee, some of those other teams there. So I think this is the perfect um, situation where um, the winning streak helped will help integrate you know Isaiah Thomas back in the in the lineup but uh, I'm not concerned with LeBron I you know I, I I you know if he was averaging 42 minutes a night and you know you saw the wear and tear um, then maybe but right now I'm not you know my only counter to that is it, it kind of is based on the assumption that LeBron is invincible and and that he you know that he's going to continue to be the same type of superhuman athlete with recovery powers that he's been throughout his his career and he is look he's going to be 33 years old in a couple of weeks and not that's old by any stretch but it's you know it the, when you factor in the number of playoff games he's played in and all he's having to do this season I don't know I mean like we just talked about Harden and and how Harden kind of ran out of gas at the end it's not the same type of situation it's obviously not the same player but I'd be I would be concerned if I was Cleveland with how much energy he's expended now you can now if Isaiah comes back and he does what you're talking about if he comes back and he takes on some of that offensive responsibility and LeBron maybe doesn't have to coast uh, on that end, but doesn't have to exert as much energy on that end. That's going to be huge for him. Then we can, you know, sort of shelve this discussion uh, about him being tired, but that's asking, it's asking a lot for Isaiah Thomas to come back and be the same Isaiah Thomas. He was last year. I mean, there are two things I'm looking for with it Bobby. One is, you know, just how is he physically out there? What happens when he starts taking falls? Because we know this guy takes a lot of falls out there on the floor and lands on that uh, injured hip. But the other part of this is, how, how does he, as you said, how does he integrate? How does he incorporate himself? Jay Crowder struggled for the first month trying to figure out his role in this uh, Cavaliers team. I think it's different for Isaiah uh, because he's more, uh, you know, offensively gifted than than Jay Crowder's. But I do think there's going to be a learning curve that might be a month, two months before Isaiah truly is comfortable in that system. Oh, you're right. I'm not expecting Isaiah to come back and be the player that he was in, in Boston. I mean, I would think even his minutes will probably be in that 15 to 20 minute range and kind of get baby steps to get him back on the, mm -hmm. um, get him back on the, the court. So you were, you have that, the, you know, from a physical standpoint and then just how, you know, as you've said, the, uh, the fit in, I mean, it's, but it is almost like getting an, um, a player in a trade, um, without giving up anything in mid, mid December and you're the second, you know, you have the second best record in the East, you know, I know, what we gave, what they gave up back in in August with that Ky with the Kyrie trade, but um, it's a good problem, good problem to have. You know, the interesting part will be where does Rose fit in here? Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any fit. He's talking <laughs> no surgery. Offense. He's talking surgery now. Like it's like, did he, did yeah, he come back no, just to have surgery? Like I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, there's no. I don't see. I mean, even I like what Calderon has been able to do. At least he's been able to stabilize things a little bit. But I don't see Rose's fit at all, one bit. And um, you know, it's it's great for them to kind of welcome welcome him back, but I would not expect anything from Derrick Rose. I don't even think they. I mean, welcoming him back is was that was some of the. I most don't know tepid. if they had a choice. Yeah, it's like you know, LeBron's like, yeah, we're very excited to have him back. Like, okay, it's like reading from a sheet. Um, I I don't know either. I mean, I think Derrick Rose is probably done. Like, if he comes back and he is in uniform when he plays, that's that's one thing. But he's not going to get a lot of minutes. Um. You know, on this team, once Isaiah is is back in the fold, and I mean, you know this, you would know this better than I would, Bobby. But I don't know how a team signs him next summer. Like, what? Uh, yeah. What do you think you're going to get from him? I mean, even just just the player isn't um, isn't modernized. I guess doesn't shoot the three and, and and defensively, and then you throw in all the other baggage. Why would a team? Why would any team take a flyer on him? 
Yeah, I don't. I mean, there was a reason why he wasn't signed until what somewhere in in between middle of August. Yeah, and for the for the minimum, could he have probably got money a little more money somewhere else? Maybe. Um, but what is you know what is he going to be a third emergency third guard in the you know is that what you're yeah. looking for? And you know those guys don't get signed until right before training camp, and and then that will be probably a team going on a camp invite. So I mean, is that where he wants to be at at his stage of his? Uh, his uh his career i don't i don't think so so i think we've certainly seen the uh probably we've seen the last of uh, at least from a derrick rose making an impact on, on on the court honestly if he wants to continue playing basketball we joke about china but that's he not the go. worst place that's no really not. it isn't i mean you saw you know steph was a little bit different Steph on marbury yeah. um you know just because there was uh and he i mean talk about guy turning in, uh, his career around as far as having a great run in and stills over in uh in, in in china but yeah i mean if you you know he's got all that um with rose he's got all that adidas money still coming in um, he can make some good money over there. I mean, he's still, Adidas would he, love him in China. Would oh, they love would be, to. Yeah, I mean, he's still. What is he? Latest? He hasn't even hit thirty yet. I don't yeah, think, right. Twenty eight, twenty nine. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that would, if you're going to go the international route, you know, instead of going, you know, Europe is not paying as much. Um, certainly, China would be the way to go. Yeah, no question. Um, all right, so trade season kind of unofficially begins uh, on Friday when um, on December fifteenth when. These players that are signed in the offseason are eligible to be traded uh, for the first time. Give me an idea of who you're kind of keeping an eye on. And I guess first tell me, like, just from an executive perspective, like, how big is that December 15th date? Well, I don't want to pour, pour cold water on uh, the, the listeners that are <laughs> listening right now, but there have not been many trades in that December 15th to, like, um, December 31st um Window. I think some some has to do with Christmas. Certainly, mm-hmm. there's um, there. I think there's only been about four or five trades that have happened since 2013 in there. I think Rondo happened. Um, you yeah, know, that four was years right ago. Yeah. Smith got traded on Christmas Eve. I remember being in church and getting a text. I'm like, oh my god, I got to go back home and figure Seriously, out. Seriously, you got a text what... about Ish Smith trade? Yeah, the yeah, there was, text draft, that, there, there was draft picks involved. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think what where we are right now, we're, we're almost at that 25-game evaluation period, which I said teams should have a pretty good understanding where their roster is. But um, where things really get picked up is post-Jan 1. Um, yeah, the trade restrictions on players who are signed this summer are lifted um, come the 15th. The field certainly opens up. I think it's going to be an active um, – I think it's going to be an active six weeks leading up to uh, Feb 8 because I, there's just not many teams with cap space this summer to get better. And I think teams are looking at um, at the trade market. The teams like San Antonio and Golden State, teams that never make a trade, I could, I could see them standing pat again. Um, you know, R.C. Buford and Bob Myers rarely make a trade, and, and they haven't done so in at least the last you know four or five years at the deadline. But but there are certainly names. Nerlens Noel, what happens to him? You know, he just had thumbs thumb uh, surgery. Um, you know, his future in Dallas, I don't see him being there past this year. But he's got um, you know he's got that one year bird restriction, um, so he can veto any trade. But for Noel's best interest, I think he needs to go find a home and try to you know. Get some minutes and try to audition for. It's almost like when he got traded to um, Dallas last February, find a home and try to audition. I mean, what happens to the teams that have cap space? Uh, Chicago is a good team. I think they sh- they could be aggressive at the deadline. They've got 15 million in room, so can you get back you know players and and try to get draft assets there? I think you know a, a perfect name. Let's say Kyle Singler from Oklahoma City. If, o- if the Thunder are willing to move him and maybe attach a you know one or two you know um, second round picks to that, you know that's something that Chicago should should look at. Um, you know, the expirings in Atlanta, Bellinelli and Ilyasova, two good veterans that could help a team for a team that's going to the lottery. So I think those are certainly names. Julius Randle in, in Los Angeles, they're going to have a decision to make with him. Um, if that's, if their goal in the offseason is to, um, you know, try to create ma- two max salary spots, uh, spots because Randall won't, you know, because of his how high his cap hold is, that doesn't fit there. And he's having a great year, Chris. I mean, mm-hmm. he really is. I mean, he's he's found, uh, you know, he's coming off the bench and he's your backup center when, you know, and you, you can go small with him. He's averaging eight minutes a, a, a night in the fourth quarter alone, which means that he, they want him on the court. So, you know, what do you do with him? Because if you don't move him, 
um, you could possibly lose him for for nothing in the um, you know in in the off season. So, um, but I think it's going to be I think it's going to be um, you know active. Houston is always a team that's active at the deadline. But I'm concerned. You know, if you move move a piece here and there, it kind of ruins your um, your chemistry. Another guy to watch out is. Um, Lou Williams in 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 uh, for the Clippers, who's having a you know another great year, but he's a a guy in an expiring contract, and he's a sharpshooter that teams could use. A Clipper team that's probably headed toward towards the lottery. I mean DeAndre Jordan, what happens with him? Um, finally hired an agent in, uh, in in Jeff Schwartz, which which will certainly help. But uh, you know he's on a technically on an expiring because he's got a. Um, um, a, a player option, but the interesting with Jordan is what is the market for him if he opts out in the summer? I mean, it's a, especially for bigs, um, and there's not many teams with, with cap space. So, I think there's going to be a lot of a uh, lot of interesting storylines. Those are kind of the you know a little bit of the the tidbits right there. I could see Milwaukee making a play for DeAndre Jordan. I think that he makes sense with what they're trying to do, and because they've got kind of floor spacing uh, bigs with Giannis and Jabari Parker whenever he comes back. Uh, I could see Jordan not not only making sense there in a deal, but also being kind of a long term fit in in playing for the Bucks. I mean, they love length and they love you know defensive versatility, and Jordan obviously does that extremely well. Uh, the question would be, what would Milwaukee be willing to give up to to go get a DeAndre Jordan? I'm not exactly sure what what the Clippers are looking for. I mean, on, they have to know, and a guy with the and as you said, an effectively expiring deal. Offers aren't going to be great, right? They're not going to be. You're not going to get blown away with with multiple first round pick type of offers. But I, I mean, would Milwaukee surrender a first round pick in a in a DeAndre Jordan deal? Is it worth it for them? I, I don't well, know. Well, it's hard because of the protection on that Phoenix that's going to Phoenix. Um, yeah, you basically have what protected. I think for the next like four four years, it finally goes unprotected. I think in year four, so you would have to. It, it, the pick would be in the in the. Uh, in in the future, I mean, down the road, I mean, does Malcolm Brogdon do it for you? Does John Henson players like that to try to get the you know the salary? The Clippers are in an interesting spot because next year is almost like a bridge year. So it's not like we're going to get rid of DeAndre and we're going to hit the reboot button and have a lot of cap space in the summer of eighteen. They're not. I mean, you've got Blake still. You've got. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, you've got Austin Rivers, you've got uh, Wes Johnson, Beverly's on a um, non-guaranteed Teodosic. So you're right at the cap with those players, even without DeAndre. So it's not like, you know, you have um, a lot of room. So getting players back might actually be better and then go go into maybe the summer of 2019 when you have some cap space. So I think that's kind of the direction if you are going to um, – if you are, if they are going to move him, that maybe you get some players back and, and try to, you're almost in that, I guess, like the Chris Paul trade, you're almost in that retool mode, not rebuild. Does Malcolm Brogdon make sense for for both sides as kind of a centerpiece of a trade back? Not to get too speculative, but it, you know, I, I saw them play a couple of times uh, since the Bledsoe trade, uh, once in person, and you know, Brogdon has admitted that that. The Bledsoe trade's kind of thrown him for a loop a little bit. And, you know, he's out there on the floor with Bledsoe a lot. And when he is, and they move Giannis to the five, that's a really effective offensive unit. But, you know, Bledsoe's a young guy. Like, the idea in Milwaukee is that Bledsoe's going to be around for a long time. Their defense has gotten better with Bledsoe uh, in the lineup. So, I, you know, like from Milwaukee's perspective, you know, Brogdon might be kind of at that sell-high point where you can uh, you can move him in a deal that might get you back a player like Jordan. I don't well, know though right. for the Clippers yeah. like, from the, what that what that means though. Well, especially that so Brogdon's in the second year of his contract. He's got a non-guaranteed contract for next season that, you know, certainly he'll be on the roster, but and then you're going to have to pay him. <laughs> I yeah. mean, he's going to be so he's 24, right? Uh 20 he'll be 25 on the uh is today the list, December 11th. Is this today's his birthday? Uh I don't know. Today's um, the Yes, today's the eleventh Monday. Yeah, We're so recording he, this on so, Monday the eleventh. Yes. So he's a uh, happy birthday. He's twenty five today. <laughs> um, so when sure he hits free agency, he'll be twenty. You know, possibly twenty seven years old. So that's an older, an older guy. You know, going on a second year contract. So and he's and he's you know he's certainly a good player there. So I think that's half how the Clippers have to weigh it as far as are you willing to pay him. Uh, when he's free agent, are you comfortable for him being your point guard of the of the future? Are you still in love? You know, do you still what's the what's going to happen with Beverly after his surgery? Teodosic, you know, you know when he returns there. So those are all the certain you know the things that they would have to weigh. I mean, Henson has certainly started for you, so he would be your center. Mm. Um, you know, but the you know the draft pick is you know certainly 
is complicated because based on, as I said, the you know that protection that's with on that uh, that Phoenix pick. Get back to Bobby Marks in just a second, but I have to tell my listeners about a great deal from the folks over at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Support for the Vertical Podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and your family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button. And in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Mannix, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. You mentioned Nerlens Dewell, and we talked about him at the top. Well, how big a mistake was it for him to turn down that offer, the four-year, $70 million contract from uh, from Dallas? Well, I thought you were going to say how big of a mistake was it him sneaking hot dogs out of that uh, Well, that was and a mistake, too, yeah. <laughs> hey, how do you know you walk into the pressure when you're not going to be filmed? Hey, yeah, I, we, we had two players in, in New Jersey who were inactive, <laughs> were in the um, courtside club halftime, uh, consuming adult beverages. So what Nerlens Noel did was nothing. It's a step down. That's that's nothing. That's a drop in the bucket. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I mean, God, can you imagine turning down four for what seventy seventy five? Yeah. And then I don't know. I mean, I guess you're still basing it on potential as far as what he can get from free agency. But I mean, where's his number? Right at the taxman level, five yeah. six million. Right where his qual. Um, that qualifying number that he signed for, I don't know if I'm a team I'm willing to uh, invest long term for him. So I think if you're if you're Dallas that you know and he agrees to trade, I mean you flip him for a second. I mean that's basically where he is because that team doesn't have bird rights on him. So um, I mean God, he's certainly fallen from the uh, from a um, you know from a, a number standpoint as far as what uh, what it, what it could be there. He's a guy that I think Boston could make a play for if the price is right. And you know the the, the contract stuff notwithstanding, um the Celtics wanted him. They they were they were trying to trade for him when he was with uh Philadelphia. They liked how he'd fit in that front court. And you know look things have changed since in the last year or so. Aaron Baines has been very good obviously. Daniel Tice in Boston has been terrific uh in his role. But I could see the Celtics if it's if that's the cost, like a second round pick or, or something like that. I could see the Celtics going out there and and trying to make a run for him, and because I can also see him fitting in pretty well. I mean, I could see him playing alongside Al Horford, up tempo type of uh, offense, you know, catching lobs from Kyrie. I mean, like he could do, he could be a pretty good player, I think, with that team in a role. Yeah, and they can. I mean, they have that um, that disabled player exception. So yeah. Noel's on the last year of his contract. Um, they can. Uh, they can certainly take take him in. He's still, I mean, another, another young player. He's twenty, turns twenty four in uh, twenty four in April there. Um, so yeah, I mean, it depends on what you want to give up. I mean, you know, the I would not give up any first certainly for him. I mean, I don't know where that Clipper first is going to go based on where this team is going to be. That might turn into, I mean, two a couple seconds down down the road. But I would, you know, I would potentially consider giving up, but you know, maybe a second for him. Um, if, if you know if, if he can help you win a game or if he based on how your uh, matchups are when you get into the playoffs and you need length and, and rebound I, I mean I would certainly certainly consider it for him I mean he averaged what eight rebounds a game is um, you know in 14 15 which you know in 30 minutes which is pretty good there I, I can tell you this too Bobby being around that team a lot is that they from a front office standpoint to a coaching standpoint they now believe that they can they can get out of the East. They, they believe it now. It's not just like kind of wishful thinking on their, their behalf. They believe that they have a team that could beat Cleveland. They, they do. And, and that's what I think is going to make them extremely aggressive over these next couple of months. I mean, I, I don't think they'll blink at if the price is a second or a couple of seconds. I'm not sure that they'd blink at that because if, if they think a guy can fit into the, the system and, and play well and give them something, they're going for it to some degree this year. They're going for that. That uh, that Eastern Conference title. Well, you're right. I mean, you can, you can go for it and not be reckless doing it. I mean, mm-hmm. you still have all your, 
I mean, you're going to wind up probably getting, uh, who knows where that Laker pick would go, but you'll probably get that Sacramento pick in 2019, which is a huge value. Yeah. I mean, that's a top five pick probably. Uh, and you've got the Memphis pick still. Um, so, and you still have, you know, you still have your, your core group uh, intact and you don't even have your, what, your second best player out there yeah. in, uh, in Gordon Hayward and you get the best record in the East. I mean, um, so you can be a little more aggressive at the, um, at the deadline and that, that, you know, that exception expires, um, you know, March 10th and you've got a roster spot available. So, um, it certainly makes sense there. It's a problem for another day, clearly, but what do you do with Gordon Hayward when he comes back? Like, what do you, like, what is, is that a legitimate, like, question at this point? Because look, all-star in his twenties comes back from injury. You'd expect he just jumps right back into that starting lineup, but who do you take out? I mean, do you, Jason Tatum is good. Jason Tatum is really good and getting better. Jalen Brown, they like as a two guard kind of defensive, uh, defensive stopper, uh, in the making. Who do you, what do you do with that starting lineup? Like, does he become the most expensive sixth man that we've maybe ever seen? Like, I, I don't know. Well, do you mean come back in March? No, no, or? I'm more thinking about, no, no. He, I know he's floating that idea, but I still, I still maintain that the, the, the mental part of it's going to be the hardest thing to come over. And like, why, why do you bring, cause Bob, like it's different than when Paul George came back from his injury because Indiana was going nowhere. Right. Like this team's going to be yeah. in like a dog fight for the number one seed. How do you, how do you incorporate someone into that? Who's trying to, you know, get his legs back and get his comfort level back. I don't see it. I'm more thinking of, of 2018 and beyond. Like, how do you, what do you, that, that's a, that's a real, like a good dilemma to have, but a real dilemma, I think for Brad Stevens. Well, no, you're right. I mean, so you've got. I mean, do you put Tatum at the four? Hayward I think they'd three, like to. Brown, I think. You know, I, I think mean, they'd like kinda, Tatum to be a stretch four. I think. That and would I think be... he's got. His, you look at his body, and there's so. I think he he can add a little bit more, especially his, his shoulders are so broad. I think he can add a little bit, not to. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want a, a four that's, you know, 245 pounds, but I think mm-hmm. he can add maybe a little bit more, a little bit more muscle up there. And maybe that's something he focuses on the, uh, the off season. But yeah, I mean, you go, you would go Kyrie Brown, Hayward Tatum and Al. Um, and, but you lose, maybe that's a an little offensive, bit. that's an offensive Ooh, nightmare. Goodness that is gracious, a right? nightmare offensively. But it, and it's, and it's crazy too, Chris. I saw them play the game they lost against Miami when they lost, um, uh, this when the streak ended, and I sat above, uh, you know, in press seating in Miami, in right. that, um, them, and the, the the ability to watch them. You see them every night. The the ability when they switch on defense. Oh yeah. Oh my! It's like watching like a like a orchestra. You know, it's like it's like you. It's like, it's like is Al Horford a point guard? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, they go from spot to spot. It's like a. It's so impressive, and then that's how you know. That's when Danny goes out and targets guys to, to fit the fit there. But uh, it's a great it's a great problem to have, and I am not worried that <laughs> that Brad Stevens yeah. will will figure that out. Yeah, I, I I've often wondered if if Tatum could be kind of a, a full time four defensively, especially if they go. And again, we're looking at 2018 and beyond here. But if they go really small with Horford, kind of full time five, and Tatum uh, full time four, that is a a front court that would have some problems rebounding. Um, you know, what would they look like defensively against bigger teams? But if they can just be manageable defensively, how do you stop? Like, how do you put a traditional four on Jason Tatum when he's already just killing guys with like Paul Pierce, like step back jumpers and, and, and making three pointers late in the, in the fourth quarter, shooting like 50% from three. I, I, that is as, as lethal an offensive lineup as you're going to get maybe in either conference. That's right up there with like, not, maybe not on golden States level, but it's on, the next level for sure. Well, no, you're right. I mean, you saw in the Detroit game on Sunday night. I mean, he hit a huge, another big three down the stretch. I mean, and he has such, uh, you know, he's got such confidence in in doing so, and he's only going to get better. I mean, he's. I mean, the sky's the uh, the sky's the the limit for for him. But um, you know, as we said, it's a, it's a it's a good a good problem to have, and I'm sure if you're if you're Gordon Hayward, who's, who's basically been an extension of their coaching staff, probably yeah. right now, he's probably figuring out how do I fit in, you know? Yeah. What you know, and giving we'll give Brad Stevens, uh, you know, ideas at the end of the season or when you get into summer. Hey, I've you know, this is what I see. I can how I can help you or what how I can add or maybe we go to these different lineups. And I think that's sometimes when you're not part of it on the court and you kind of take a step back, it gives you a little bit of a, uh, certainly a better perspective. 
Yeah, they're not wed to any particular lineup. At least they haven't been this year. I mean, they've been playing mix and match with their starting lineups. And of you know, most teams nowadays value positionless basketball, but I think Boston values it as much as any team out there. I mean, they they just don't they don't assign guys a spot. I mean, Al Horford is a four five, Tatum's a three four, Brown's a two three. I mean, really, just like Kyrie and and Aaron Baines are the two guys that are kind of pigeonholed into one position. Even Kyrie gets some time, you know, defending uh, certain two guards uh, in the league right now. So, yeah, they're they're in a good spot both now uh, and moving forward. Uh, all right, Bobby, always great to talk to you, man. Um, we, we miss you, and uh, I appreciate you, uh, you joining me here. Chris, always a pleasure from uh, sunny Florida, but oh. a little brisk. It is oh. a little brisk. I do have a sweatshirt on right now, and it's 65 oh. outside. But I am, I am heading to the great north uh, east in the next few days, so I will make sure I get my winter coat out, my hat, and my gloves, and my, my boots and everything. The snow hit the northeast this week, Bobby. It wasn't. <laughs> it's a little, a little too early for me to uh, to see the snow plows out in front of my house. I didn't need. Well, to it was that. 50 degrees this morning. My wife said, "Do you think oh. I have to warm up the car?" Oh. I said, "Oh my god, do you remember <laughs> we were like living in?" <laughs> Hey, we remember when it was 8 degrees, and uh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Bobby, enjoy safe travels, and uh, thanks for joining me, man. See you, Chris. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Bobby Marks for joining the show. As always, you can download archived episodes on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, really anywhere you can download podcasts. While you're there, post a comment, leave a rating. You know I appreciate it, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. He hasn't really distinguished himself. Chris is in desperate need of validation. I, I think your opinion is shared by everyone. So please, subscribe, like, comment. I, I would punch him. I, that's, that's just my opinion. At your earliest convenience in the iTunes store. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.